because a lot of what happens when people are feeling lonely for quite some time and having more of a chronic state is that the body creates a stress response. Happiness, success, freedom, energy, fun, balance, strength, peace. It all stems from our physical and emotional well-being. You're in the right place for a healthy discussion with experts to show you the way. This is Be Well, a podcast from Crossover Health. Not sick is not enough. Being well is a movement to get the most we want out of life. In each of our episodes, we pick a health or lifestyle topic, bring in one of our doctors from the front lines, and have a real conversation. Be well, do good, enjoy life. What's up, everyone? This is Dan Lord, Program Director for Crossover Health. You're in the right place for a healthy discussion. Just a reminder, the following presentation is for informational purposes only. It is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Very excited today to have Dr. Arthi Sharma. She is a psychologist on the Crossover Virtual Care team. She specializes in offering evidence-based treatment for a variety of mental health conditions. She also has a personal passion for wellness, integrated health, and community building. Arthi has provided therapy in a variety of capacities over the last decade in several different settings, including therapy for college students at one of the nation's largest college campuses, the VA hospital in Phoenix. She also worked with young adults at community mental health clinics. Arthi, thanks so much for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your practice at Crossover. Yeah, I'm one of the virtualist psychologists, so I'm able to provide virtual therapy. It's kind of like your anytime, place kind of experience, which is really amazing. I was able to get licenses in multiple states and offer evidence-based therapy through telehealth. So I've been really getting into that for about a year now. I know through the pandemic, it just really picked up in popularity during telehealth practices. So um, I've actually seen people do a lot better with telehealth and that they're able to practice the skills and apply it really regularly that way. That's so exciting because you're able to provide access to Mm -hmm. therapy and in a convenient way where before it becomes really hard and that there's there's lots of barriers. Could you tell me a little bit more about your experience and what do you mean by evidence-based therapy through telehealth? There's a lot of research that backs up the treatments that we use to treat various mental health conditions, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, things people might come in to present for. We have structured treatments that in a shorter amount of time, you can see results. Mm. It's not like the lay on the couch and talk about everything, but you learn skills <laughs> that you can practice and apply it to your life and start to see the results much more quickly. Very solutions oriented. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And how is the virtual part where, you know, traditionally this is a in-person face-to-face kind of thing. You go and talk to your therapist, but you, you know, you guys are meeting people where they are, so to speak, um, and, and communicating through, through different channels. How, how is that working? Well, I mean, I am such a people person, which you'll pick up on through the rest of this conversation. So I actually questioned whether I would like doing telehealth because I thought I would miss out on so much of the nonverbal communication you get from that Mm -hmm. in-person setting. But I've been so pleasantly surprised to find that it, it just feels the same. You know, when I see my patients week to week and we're connecting and we're in that moment together, I feel like I'm right there with them. And I've heard that from them too. So I think it's been going really well, actually. 
That's very exciting. Thank you for that. Yeah. One of the biggest projects that you've been working on lately is around our new Be Well platform, which is really around patient education, engagement, mm-hmm. helping people with a healthy lifestyle, creating community. And, and you really worked on the area of loneliness. Why is that really important to you? I mean, I guess the, the being a people person, being a connector, a community builder, that's just been such a big part of my personal identity. I'm that person in grad school who had all the parties where everybody came over. And- <laughs> did you have the party house? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. And I, I've just always been that person to want to welcome everyone. So, I mean, just in my own personal life, I've been the kind of person who wants to reach out, make sure everyone feels included and Um, I just really have a heart for that kind of work anyway. You know, joining Crossover, I learned so much about the social determinants of health and how there are these factors that actually affect 80% of your health that you can do something about, but that we don't, as a healthcare system and in our more standard trainings, we didn't really focus on it as much. So what I've really loved so far in investigating, researching all of this is how much we could actually do to move the needle when it comes to health, just by focusing on some things that people can actually do to get better, um, that aren't just like what they genetically inherited, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but something that they can start to make some change with. So I I feel really passionate about it. I think we really have an amazing treatment that I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, let's let's talk about it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And normalize loneliness a little bit. That's kind of the topic for today. Mm -hmm. And you're an expert it's certainly become a bigger problem, more focal, you know, during the last year through the pandemic, people are isolated. What are you seeing in your practice? And and yeah, maybe define it a little bit for us. Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting when I started researching about it, we called it like a social isolation work group that we were going to research. But the Mm -hmm. more we looked into it, there's this distinction between social isolation and loneliness. Social isolation is just like you're separate from people. You have you're not around a lot of people, but everybody doesn't have the same needs for connection. There can be people who have big families or lots of friends around them and still feel lonely because that, that happens. So yeah. loneliness is more of a subjective emotion. It's something that you experience when you want more connection than what you have right now. So it's this kind of emotion that can hang over people over time or it can kind of come and go. Is this something that you diagnose people with or how do you work with people and identify this issue? That's a great question. It's not a diagnosis. And I mean, I'm really glad we're talking about this because a big hope that I have from this project is that we'll destigmatize it. There's a lot of personal shame that people have when they Mm -hmm. talk about feeling lonely. It's sad that the society has kind of set up a lot of expectations that we're supposed to have friends all the time. We're supposed to be happy all the time. That's not really realistic. People feel lonely. It comes and goes and it happens at times. So the big thing is to figure out what's missing. What are you longing for? What are you wanting? So it's a natural emotion that we all feel from time to time. Definitely not a diagnosis. What do you think are, I mean, the obvious, one of the obvious causes was the pandemic and social distancing, right? But what are the other factors that have made this more prevalent? Yeah, you know, even before the pandemic, loneliness, it because it's an emotion, it's something, you know, pre-pandemic, we've all felt it's science, yeah, you know? Of course. So, what kind of causes it is different for different people. So part of our treatment that we're working on actually addresses a lot of that, helping people figure out what might be missing. It could be something as simple as like just missing your hometown. 
you know, you moved for work and you're in a new place and the barber doesn't know your name there and you don't look around and maybe people don't look like you in that neighborhood or you don't know where you can go to get your prayer community in the same mm -hmm. way of what you used to have. So there's just a lot of things where people can feel that. I think the important thing to know about it is that it'll come and go. And even, you know, if you've been feeling lonely for a long time, there are nuances within that. There are times when any emotion is going to ebb and flow. So times when maybe it feels sharper or more painful and times when it feels like, okay, I feel slightly more connected. Like even when you're at the grocery store checking out and you're cracking a joke with the checkout, uh, the cashier, yeah. you know, that's just a moment of connection. So paying attention to those small moments of connection in our lives can actually make a difference in helping us feel that slight moment of connection in our lives too. You um, did a bunch of research for the content that you're developing for the care guidelines and standards that we're implementing. And part of that work was a survey that you did with all of our providers. They are recognizing different ways that loneliness has impacted their practice. Mm -hmm. What did you learn? It was so interesting. I just wanted to get a sense. I've loved the integrated healthcare team that I'm working with here at Crossover. And I wanted to get a sense more broadly in the company. What are providers seeing as the difference for people who are struggling with loneliness? How are they seeing loneliness come up in their, in their work? And it was so interesting that across disciplines that providers were noticing how loneliness was just especially salient this past year with the pandemic, that it's always kind of been there. We know of the stories of people who maybe lost somebody or are struggling with various kinds of things, like feeling like people don't understand them or where they're coming from. But especially this past year, um, providers are noticing an increase in loneliness and just seeing the ways it impacts health. You know, little things like when you don't have someone to remind you to take your meds or yeah. say, get up, we're going on a walk right now, or maybe you shouldn't eat that extra thing that your doctor said not to have that. And so each of the providers shared about examples of just their own practice and how when someone's feeling lonely, that it actually impacted their health behaviors. You mentioned having an integrative team of providers. Mm -hmm. How does that impact your practice and how you'd help one of your patients or members? That's a really great question. With this work group that we're working on right now, we're trying to spread this knowledge of what we're learning about with loneliness and how it impacts health. So that's one way is that we've started creating some provider training videos to kind of go even deeper to share mm -hmm. some of the information about it, how it's going to be treated. And as a team, we talk about it. We have huddles, we communicate really regularly about the patients we're working with. I really love that we're able to connect to our health coaches, for example, who are going to be doing a lot of these loneliness treatment for it. Um, we have a whole treatment curriculum to learn some new skills for handling that. And I've done presentations for my huddle so that the physicians on the team, the nurses, mm -hmm. the physical therapists, we're all on the same page. We know about how is loneliness impact impacting health, impacting our patients. And then we can really have an open conversation about it if we see that in our members so we can support each other and support the patients we're working with. Well, I hope you know you're having a massive impact and making a huge difference. So thank you for all this incredible work. You know, personalizing a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any stories that you can share? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this before our talk today. And just being a psychologist myself, I am part of a vast mental health community. And when I see what we represent in our communities, because in our jobs, obviously, 
we're a therapist, we're there to teach coping skills. But even outside of our immediate workspace, we're expected to have a very high bar of coping skills, right? Mm. So when you think about a stigma that impacts the community, it kind of impacts mental health professionals even more because if- Certainly. Yeah, if you're feeling vulnerable about something, it's harder to admit that or talk about that openly because you're expected to kind of have it together all the time. And I, I know that that's not realistic. And I know in our training programs, we talk about- do self-care and this stuff is normal. But if we really look at any kind of stigma, that's where some of this comes from. So I was thinking about how, when I was doing this research on loneliness for Crossover and for the project that we're working on, just thinking about so many people that I know during the pandemic, especially who they couldn't go see their families because they would put their family at risk before the vaccine was out and just the way that it impacted day-to-day life. You know, even me, I wanted to support my friends and check on them. They were living alone and they couldn't see any of their relatives or they couldn't travel. So it's just, yeah, it really hits home and thinking about elderly communities and the people that I really love and wanting to make sure that they're safe, you know, before the vaccine came out and, and, but still kind of being in a position where you're like, don't see people, but I know you need the connection. (laughs) And so it's just a really tough balance to go through. And I know not everybody is past that, that struggle right now. Yep. And I also know that coming out of the pandemic, I've heard a lot that people are transitioning and that even just making a normal social connection doesn't always feel the same nowadays. You know, you walk down the street and some people don't even make eye contact anymore. (laughs) Right. And masks, you you can't see people smile or Mm -hmm. some of their expressions. So, you know, there's been all these interesting barriers. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm seeing it in my communities too just noticing those changes as well. So what are some solutions and, and tactics that you teach your patients um, and, and our crossover members? Well, I think, you know, the more and more I was researching about it and thinking about the struggle that people face with loneliness, I think there's some really important takeaways. And the first very important one is to destigmatize loneliness for yourself and for others, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing it's not you it's not just you and you're not alone, that it's something that absolutely everybody faces. And if they haven't faced it, that they will at some point because it comes and goes. It's just a feeling. And disconnection comes in many different forms. It could be like just feeling left out at work, you know, mm-hmm. not being, not feeling included or thinking that you're the odd one out. So there's a, a mix of different beliefs that can impact a feeling of loneliness. There can be certain behaviors like the vicious cycle that happens where you start feeling lonely. So then you isolate more because you're like, nobody gets it. So then you, you know, now you're pulling away and then nobody's reaching out because you're turning down invitations or pulling away. So, I mean, that's the part to keep an eye out for, I think, is to notice when you yourself might be judging that loneliness and show yourself some compassion and kindness. You know, everybody feels it. Um, giving yourself a break, maybe doing something to soothe that loneliness. Because a lot of what happens when people are feeling lonely for quite some time and having more of a chronic state is that the body creates a stress response. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you're in that fight or flight mode and the rest and digest side of your body isn't operating as well. Mm -hmm. So this increase in health problems kind of makes sense given that your body is feeling a state of, you know, unrest. So the more you can soothe and comfort yourself, Um, And I know there's some go-to things that we don't always consciously think of, like maybe we're comforting ourselves with food or binge watching a TV show or, (laughs) you know, just thinking about the ways we're comforting ourselves. Like 
buying yourself a treat versus only like self-medicating, you know, with certain things. So it's just kind of being mindful of that, recognizing what you're feeling, showing yourself that compassion, and then figuring out what do I need to do from here? What's the next step? You and your team have created so much amazing content, which we've already talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. What is your hope for the effect? How do you see members and patients using this content? I think there's a lot of different ways it can be helpful. It could be just browsing the website that we have with some information and watching some of the videos and conversations we have on there. That could be a really simple first step. Or if people need some more extra support and kind of what are the skills I can do? How do I implement? How do I personalize it to my situation? Then we definitely have providers who are trained in helping our patients kind of work through it and figure out what's missing, what are the things I'm already doing right, and what are things that I can add to my toolkit to kind of address this issue to move forward in my life and find some new ways to cope. So we have all that outlined already, um, and I'm really, really excited about it. And I know I gave you a little sneak peek that we have an audiobook coming out to supplement some of our curriculum, and I'm so excited about that too. That's awesome. And to have it in different formats because people will exactly. consume it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited about the audiobook for sure. And, and so then you mentioned, right, you, we have therapists mm-hmm. and health coaches and mm-hmm. others that you can reach out to to help you with some of these tools and tactics. Can you speak to that a little bit? How, you know, how does that start? How do you start working with someone? How do people reach out? Yeah. You know, where, where do people begin? I think that's such an important question, actually, because when you think about an emotion problem, right? You're seeing an emotion as the problem, like I'm feeling lonely, then you think I have to talk to a therapist. But what I really want people to take away from our conversation is that I want you to feel like you can talk to anyone I cross over about it, that, you know, we're all a team here and we're all communicating and collaborating together. So this isn't something that you have to figure out who you have to talk to. Just just any of us reach out, you know, when you're in your doctor's appointment, when you're with your nurse, whoever you're meeting with, just mention what you might be going through because a lot of times a patient wouldn't think to do that right you think Mm -hmm. i'm here for my physical therapy appointment why would i be talking about feeling lonely but it matters and i want our listeners to know that we care about that as a company and as a healthcare team that this is so important to us and that we're going to be working on this together to find some solutions arthi thank you so much thanks so much for joining me today so many people will benefit from what you've shared and what you've built So thank you. It's such my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. We'd like to get to know you a little bit more. (laughs) Uh So I'm hoping you'd be okay if we shoot some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. What is your favorite podcast at the moment? I'm actually listening to some conversations on YouTube by Esther Hicks on the law of attraction. I think it's a really cool intersection of psychology and spirituality. Very cool. What's one thing you do every day to stay healthy? I practice mindfulness every day, whether it's a guided meditation or just doing my own daily practice of being intentional and mindful of my surroundings or my emotions every day. Very important. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So what's your guilty pleasure then? (laughs) Anything to do with cheese. Um, Cheesy anything. Like if I could create a little world, like a restaurant just about cheese, I would do that. (laughs) Well, someday you'll need to travel to Wisconsin with me and I'll take you on a cheese tour. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Thanks so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Dan.
Anyone 18 or over in the United States can be a Crossover Health member. At Crossover, you stay connected to a care team that works together and gets to know you over time. A doctor, a nurse, a mental health expert, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, a health coach, a fitness coach, and a care navigator. Go to crossoverhealth.com to join the healthcare revolution. If you like our podcast, please follow or subscribe and leave a review. If you have a topic you want us to explore, let us know on Facebook or Instagram at Crossover Health. Until next time, be well.